All right, welcome to Parenting, the Ultimate Guide to Effective and Caring Discipline, Part 2. I'm really excited to have Senior Master Laura Sanborn here to be part of this today. We covered the Ultimate Guide to be effect to Effective and Caring uh, Discipline, Part 1, last time. Master Sanborn, what were your thoughts after we finished that last time? Um, really, that is, it's useful both at home and here. And because we use that here in our martial arts school, a lot of our parents from here see it, and as they see it, they are able to take it home and use it effectively at home. We often recommend the Failing One, Two, Three Magic Book to them as well, so they can read about it as well and implement it. But a lot of them see it modeled, and they'll even ask us, "Oh, that that really worked. What can, what what parts of that can I use at home?" And so we'll go over that with them in that way. So it's useful in many different formats and in many different places. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe to say it another way is when, when parents are asking us how to help their kids at home, one of the ways that they can help their kids is just watch how our instructors teach, uh, teach our students and how they teach our students, how they interact with each other, how they teach even our adult students. We use the same system that we're talking about right now in our, on the floor, we use it when we interact with students. If they're having some issues, we use it when we interact with students. When a parent comes to us and say, says they're having a problem with bullying at school and they're having a problem with discipline at school and they're having a problem in lots of other areas. Uh, we're going to be covering in a later podcast how to motivate your kids for improved behavior and success. So this is about how to manage discipline at home, how to make sure your kids are behaving, but also how they're they're doing the right things, how they're doing the things you want them to do at home and uh, at, at the at the most basic level. And this is the first step in how we manage the uh, on the, the classroom and it's applicable. We really built this from what parents should be doing and what parents can do to have a great relationship with their kids and have good success with their kids at home. So let's get started with this on part two and so we can finish this up today. Um, so the effective and caring discipline is about uh, what we talked about last time. And uh, again, here's some uh, some qualifications from us. You can see a few things with our books at Amazon slash author slash Greg Moody. And you can go to drgregmoody.com to see a little bit more. But just a quick wrap up on what we talked about last time. One thing we talked about was the two, uh, the two things that you need to remember, the little adult assumption... And the second thing was less talk and less emotion. When you're when you're dealing with high energy and high and problem behavior. So little adult assumption means that we don't assume that our kids are little adults. We assume that they're kids. And if they made a mistake or they did something wrong, that they knew they did something wrong and having a long conversation about why they shouldn't do this or why they shouldn't break the lamp or why they shouldn't hit their sister or why they, it, it, that's an irrelevant conversation. We need to move forward and decide what to do next. And we'll talk about what that's going to be. And less talking and less emotion is always going to be the best strategy. Our phrase on that is the emotion that they, that you need to show is the emotion that they need, not what you feel. Sometimes they do something hilarious, but you need to be calm and stern because that's not a behavior we want to 
have them continue. Sometimes they do something that's really upsetting for them and the behavior they need is for you to be empathetic and caring, not to be, uh, not to be also upset and emotional. So, so we, as adults and parents, we have to be understanding what emotion is necessary for the time. Uh, so these two things, these two things, a uh, little adult assumption, let's talk less emotion was one thing. We did take, talk a little bit about attachment versus, um, versus authenticity and how parents can, uh, can create both of those uh, healthy attachment and healthy authenticity for their children. So I recommend you look at part one. Uh, you'll still get a lot out of what we do today. And the last thing was making sure you have very clear ideas, both for you and all caregivers of what's expected of kids. So you have very clear communication for what's expected of kids during the, uh, during their time at home while, uh, while they're, what they're expected for when they should get up, when they, what they should do in the room, what they should do and all the behaviors in, in their uh, job charts that we may give them in our, our martial arts program that they take home, how much of that they're supposed to get done, what their expectations at school are so that every, all the caregivers and all the parenting figures in their, in their life are doing the same thing. Um, so let's talk about during part two, we promise, or during part one, we promise during part two here that we give you what to do next. Now you have a problem behavior, you've done all these things, and what happens next? So what we're going to talk about is now that you've defined what the target behaviors are for your kid, we'll draw that as a T kind of in the center. And assuming they're doing target behaviors, uh, imagine that this is the this is kind of the center of our target, the like a bullseye. And imagine that's the regular target. You know, you have a, a, a target with a couple circles. And if you're shooting an arrow, you want to hit the bullseye of the target. So we put the target behaviors in the center. Then the circle outside, we're going to call these off target. So they're a little bit off target. Maybe they're supposed to, in our in our martial arts school, what we'd say is, they're supposed to stand really strict at attention and have their hands in a certain place. Maybe they're uh, they're not standing exactly the way we want them, or they're not in on a uh, on a knee the way we want them, or they're not doing some move that we want them to do a certain way. So it's a little bit off target. And then the third layer would be right outside of this circle, which would be what we call consequence. Or uh, well, this would be consequence behavior. So something, this would be a behavior that we need to stop immediately or a behavior that's gone on long enough. So maybe it's an off-target behavior that's happened over time. Uh, it just continues to happen and it doesn't get better. And then there needs to be some sort of consequence. So let's talk about what we do in each of these three situations. Well, the off-target one is what people are really good at. So somebody does something a little bit wrong. A kid does something a little bit wrong. Your child is, um, uh, you know, a little bit late when you're trying to get them ready for going to school. They're um, not putting their clothes away right. What do you do? Well, there's two things that people should do or could do. And the first one, typically people are really good at. The first one people are really good at most of the time is correction. So correction means you tell them what they did wrong. The, you just tell them, hey, you're late. Let's make sure we're on time. We've got five minutes left. You, you give them some kind of correction. Pretty straightforward. Everybody's really good at that. In fact, sometimes people are too good at that. They correct them uh, more than they need to. 
Now, if there's other kids around or there's other behaviors to model, the other thing that we really like doing here is reinforce others. And we could say positively reinforce others. So in our, in our school or in elementary schools, teachers do this really, really well. If a kid's not sitting at their desk quietly, they'll maybe say something like, wow, I noticed that Johnny's sitting at his desk quietly to the kid that's doing it really well. Or if a kid is not, even, even for a schoolwork, they might pay attention to the kid who's doing their schoolwork really, really well. These, this handwriting looks really, really good. Look at these things. So they're, gonna, they're going to pay attention and notice target behavior. They're noticing reinforce others with target behavior. And that will very frequently make the other child correct their behavior. If you've got an only child, or if that interaction doesn't work well with your kids, it may not work. This may not work as well. But reinforcing others, generally people do this really well. Okay, so for off-target behavior, we've got kind of those two two tools in our toolbox. You can correct them or you can reinforce others. Now, the one that people don't use very much, which seems like they should, and people tell me they do, but they really don't, is what happens when people are consistently doing target behavior? So they're consistently on time. They're always on time. They're always putting their clothes away. They're always putting their toys away. They're always putting, or for adults, they're always turning in their stuff at work. They're always doing a great job. Uh, in our case, in our martial arts school, they're always wearing their uniform correctly. They're always, their uniform is always clean. Uh, maybe at, at your work, they're somebody who's always turning in their paperwork correctly. They're always uh, on time. They're all, I used that one already, but they're always, um, you can help me out with some of these master Sam work. They're always, uh, they're always really pleasant with the other uh, employees and the other staff. What are some other ones? They do their paperwork on time. They I gave I get, did that one. You must that must be that a one? fixation for both of us. It is. Oh, it yeah. is. Um, filling out their time card, um, being cheerful all the time, coming in with the right attitude, that they're ready to work, and when they come into work, they're ready to rock. They're ready to do whatever they're supposed to do. They're yeah, maybe, they're prepared yeah. ahead of time. Yeah, prepared ahead of time. Maybe they're following all the company procedures, all that stuff. So those are target behaviors, and maybe. Maybe the whole, maybe your whole group is doing that. Most of the time, those things get ignored. Most of the time, those things get ignored. I'm pausing a little bit in this, in this moment, because for everybody listening, you've got to stop and think about all the things that people are supposed to do. Now, you know, I'm not suggesting that we need to reinforce people for breathing or we need to reinforce people for walking upright or, or you know or sitting down properly but there's a lot of things that if your company is run well or your household's run well or your schools run well or your your just interpersonal relationships are are going well there's a lot of things that are done correctly and done well and we often the longer, often the longer they're done well, the more we tend to ignore them. Now, I tell this to, uh, I've told this to elementary school teachers a lot, and they often say to me, well, no, I reinforce 
kids all the time. I'm very frequently reinforcing kids for good behavior. I ask the next question. The next question is, okay, well, the last couple of times you told a kid they did a good job, was it because the kid did a good job and all the other kids were also doing a good job? Or maybe they were just doing a good job and the other kids were neutral? Or was it because you also had another kid in the classroom that was doing something wrong? And every time I ask this, they say, and it doesn't mean that all teachers maybe listen to this have, or in the same boat, but every time I've asked this, they say, well, now that I think about it, when I did reinforce another child, it was because there was somebody else in the classroom that was doing something wrong. So they're noticing negative behavior, and that's when they notice positive behavior. So most people notice when somebody does something right, if it's new behavior, if they were doing something wrong and now they're doing it correctly, or they're doing something correct when somebody else is doing something incorrect. So it's always in contrast to this off-target behavior. What we want to start getting good at, and here I am to tell you that it is unnatural, is we need to do massive reinforcement of target behavior. So if people are doing stuff well, again, not breathing, not walking upright, not, not, their, not stuff we would just expect them to do. But if people are doing things well, they're showing up on time, they're um, doing all the stuff that we, we talked about, we, that they do get some reinforcement on a regular basis. This isn't all, um, this isn't us being uh, additional, this isn't us being extra nice. This isn't us being uh, uh, pie in the sky, super uh, uh, pleasant to everybody. This is so we're down to earth, um, wanting success for ourselves as parents, as instructors, as teachers, so that we get the best results possible. Because if we massively reinforce behavior that's good, then there won't be nearly as much off-target behavior. Okay, again, I wanna emphasize that enough we spent a lot of time on that because this is the one that mostly gets ignored. When you're full, when your stomach is full, when everything's satisfied, you generally ignore it. You only remember things when you're a little bit hungry and that's when the off-target behavior, when you're noticing when something's negative. So massive reinforcement for target behavior, off-target behavior, you have corrections, and then reinforce others. That's a great tool to use to reinforce others when you can. Now, let's talk about consequence behavior. So consequence behavior is two things. Number one, something that... Sorry, Master. Sorry, I, have, I have a comment on massive reinforcement. Oh, go ahead. Massive, go ahead, please. massive does not mean it has to be a large thing. It means you're doing it consistently and doing it often. It doesn't have to be a big gesture. Like, oh, you've been so good at being on time. Here's a here's a, a raise for yeah. an employee or for a kid. Here's a brand new Xbox because you cleaned your room this week. It's just noticing that and doing something so the child or the person feels noticed and can recognize that they're being noticed for that behavior. Massive doesn't mean it has to be a great big out of context event. 
Yeah, I think there's a miscommunication sometimes or a misperception where if you were in a meeting at work and everybody shows up on time and they're and they're always on time at nine o'clock for your weekly meeting, everybody's on time for nine o'clock and, and you just said out of the blue, hey, you guys, I really appreciate you guys always being on time for the nine o'clock meeting. It means we can really get to work and get all of our stuff done and get out of here right on time. And you said that every once in a while. I think there's a misperception that if you did that, people will be a little more relaxed about showing up on time because they feel they feel like that was extra credit. You know, it was it was like it was a uh, um, better than expected behavior to be on time. But no, you're just telling them that you really appreciate that. What it's going to do is it's going to tend to make them more consistently on time. Even though they're general, they're, it sounds like they're always on time, it's going to continue to reinforce that that's on time. And there's something that before our meeting we, we were talking about called tribal behavior. If you say that and everybody's consistently on time and a new person comes into the group and they hear that once in a while, they're going to know the expectation is to, you know, no matter what, always be on time. They're all, they're going to know that this group is always on time. They can never be late or they're going to, they're going to be, uh, you know, not well thought of. Personnel. Right, exactly. So it's an important, it's an important tool to use. And again, massive is, that's right. We, we mean massive reinforcement should be, it should, imagine what the world would be like if your target behaviors that you really want to get in, reinforced are more consistently reinforced than negative behaviors, than off-target behaviors. Um, imagine if that was the way it was, you'd have a tighter control of the target behaviors that you want and nobody would be unhappy. Uh, what ends up happening is, uh, it, when we get to consequence behaviors, it'll make sense. There's more conflict because people wait till behaviors get more negative and that's when they start paying attention and that's when they start giving some sort of correction or negative reinforcement or punishment. So let's talk about consequence behaviors now. So consequence behaviors are two things. One is either off-target behaviors over a long period of time. They're continually not turning their paperwork in. They're continually not cleaning the room. They're continually not doing something right. And eventually you gotta say, look, I we need to have some consequence. We need to change the process or we need to have a consequence. Or let's use a classical one. Uh, one sibling hit another sibling. Okay, that's an immediate consequence. We're going to use less talk and less emotion. We're not going to have a conversation about it. We already know what's wrong. There's no, nobody needs to have a conversation about it. One of the siblings knew that they shouldn't have hit their brother or one of them knew they shouldn't have hit their sister. So we, uh, we immediately have a consequence. Now the consequence we recommend, uh, and a lot of times this consequence is misunderstood. So it's misused. It would be a timeout for the number of minutes equal to their age. Now, let me explain how a timeout should be used. Timeout would be, they would, okay, that's, and I'm gonna explain how to use it in a little more detail in a second. Um, timeout would be used, they would go to somewhere, some space, like their room. It's to the equal to the number of minutes equal to their age. So if they're four years old, it'd be four minutes. And you'd, they go to the room, 
at the end of four minutes, they just come out and you'd be done. There's no conversation because the conversation isn't necessary. There was a consequence that everything stopped. The behavior got behavior triggered this consequence. They knew what was wrong and the four minutes was up. Now, there's a couple variations of this that we'll talk about in a second. More often, it's not a severe consequence or a severe behavior like that. You know, we don't have a lot of siblings hitting each other. Some of you guys might think on the call, oh, it happens all the time. But let's think about some more less severe consequences. So maybe the behavior is just more consistently bad. That's it's consistently bad behavior. Then we'd use what we call one, two, three. And again, we recommend the book one, two, three magic. But the consequence would be triggered by us counting. That's one. That's two, that's three, with about a five second delay. I did that a little faster than we'd normally do it. So that's one, that's two, that's three. As soon as we do that, the child would know that the that's one indicates that the number two is going to come up. And that two indicates number three is going to come up. On three, it triggers the timeout. Now, where this is almost always done incorrectly is it sounds like this. That's one. Now, if you don't do whatever the behavior is better, I'm going to count to two. You better fix it. You better fix it or I'm going to count to two. You better fix it. Okay, that's two. Now, you better really fix it or otherwise I'm going to get to three. Now, you better do it or I'm going to get three and then you're going to have a timeout. You better get to three and then that three. That will never work. It's never worked in history. It's never going to work in the future. It's never going to work. The reason is, is because the reason you're counting is the corrections didn't work. If the corrections worked and all that blah, blah, blah stuff I just said worked, you wouldn't have to count. The reason you're counting is, is because the corrections and the reinforcement, all the other stuff you did for the off-target behavior didn't work. If you were able to say, you know, stop doing that and they stopped, and you were back to target behavior, there'd be no reason for counting. So counting is going to happen when you need to stop the behavior, you're done. And that's one, there's no more talking. That's two. That's three. Okay, time out. Now, at that point, if the kid's upset, wants to negotiate, whatever, doesn't matter. The timeout occurs 100% of the time, no matter what, there's no discussion about it. No talking, no emotion, no anything. It just happens. At the end of the timeout, you're done. No talking, no emotion. You start over. Kid behaves bad again. That's one. Then they know that that's one indicates what's going to happen next. The child's learning that that's one indicates the, the next sequence of events. Now, I'll tell you two stories about this. One story is my son was diagnosed with autism when he was two, so he couldn't speak or understand language normally until later. Um, now you would never know that. Um, he's one of our instructors and does great and uh, he very successful in, in college. But when he started, and a lot of that's because of this type of um, skill work that we did with him. Uh, but when he was three, uh, I used this system and, you know, he wouldn't really understand what that's one meant, but all I had to do was this. I didn't explain this system to him. You don't have to explain this system. 
You have to explain, okay, now here we got a new system in place. If I say that's one, this is what's going to happen. If I say this, you don't have to do any of that. The way you implement the system is one day, just like I did one day, he was doing something. He was throwing toys around. I just said, that's one. And I did this. So he saw the visual, which we recommend you use the visual. He didn't know what to do because he never seen that before. I said, that's two. Never seen the visual, never heard about this before. I said, that's three. I said, that's time out. And I took him to his room and that was it. He was three, so it was three minutes. He came back out. He stopped doing, he was out of the behavior that he was doing. Now he came back, everything was fine. The next time this happened, the very next time he was doing something wrong, I said, that's one. And he stopped doing what he was doing because he knew what was going to happen next. So the other example was I was I was teaching, I was doing martial arts teaching consulting at a, a school in, in New Jersey. And uh, I was telling the instructor that owned the school, the system, and I was watching out on the floor and the class was not running well. It was a bunch of very young kids, three, four and five year old kids. Class is not running well. And I was getting irritated with it. And I was saying, well, this is the system you should use. And he goes, well, yeah, I don't know. That's not going to work with those guys. And I said, oh, yeah. And so I just walked out on the floor and I did exactly this. And I said, that's one. One of the kids was misbehaving. I said, that's one. The entire class stopped because they stared at me because they didn't know what that meant. And the kid looked at me and he kept misbehaving. The rest of the class stopped. I said, that's two. Again, there's no preamble, no discussion, no negotiation, no conversation needed. I said, that's three. The kid was out. Um, he was four, so he stayed out for four minutes. He didn't really know why. He doesn't need to know why. He knew that he was misbehaving. You don't need to explain why they're misbehaving. They already got corrected a dozen times by then because the instructor didn't have control of the class, but he was telling the kid what he did wrong. So after four minutes, kid came back in. The kid, the whole class was fine. The whole class, in fact, was perfect. The entire rest of the class. Now, if the class had missed, anybody in the class had misbehaved, I would have done this, the class would have been perfect. So the system is very good as long as you follow those some of those rules. But again, I end up seeing it degenerate if parents or instructors or teachers go, that's one, now you better fix it. Otherwise, now, what did I do? I said, that's one. And then I started doing, I started doing correction. Once you go to outside of this circle out of off-target behavior, you're not allowed to do correction anymore. After the timeout and they come back in, assume they're back to target behavior. So now they're back here and you, you, the whole thing resets. Everything resets and you don't get to do correction anymore. Okay, so that's the system. There's target behavior, there's off-target behavior and there's consequence and that's it. That, now, let me... Master Sam, were anything to add right there before I move on to some variations of timeouts? Yes, sir. The the strongest point about this is that there is no emotion with one, two, three. The kid doesn't feel like you're mad at him. He comes right back into class. Everything starts over again or right back to target behavior. There's no big emotion back and forth. You're, the kid now feels all destroyed because you're mad at him. And holding that against you, I hate mom because she hates me. It, it's a, it covers all of that with just simple one, two, three. You're out. You sit down. 
come back in and you start over again. There's no discussion when they come back in on why they were out or what they were supposed to do while they were out, or they should have thought about it while they were out. Yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. There's no, at the end of the time out now, I'm going to let you back in, but make sure you don't do that before. I hope you thought about it. That was really bad. What you did. No, there's not absolutely zero of that. Four minutes are up back in. Now, if the kid was misbehaving in the timeout um, with the mom or they were screaming or yelling or something, we might have to reset the timeout. Um, yeah. th that's a variation of it, but that's, that's most for us when we're teaching our class. Um, that's only because usually the parent that, that has the child, if they're, if they're having to monitor the child, they're having a discussion and they're not following what we're saying, then they're having a conversation and their job is just to shut up and not say anything. Their job is just to sit with the kid. That's it. At the end of the four minutes, if the kid's four, five minutes, if the kid's five, kid comes back in, we're done. Now, we're part of the reason of the timeout, let's explain the use of the timeout. It's to give them a moment. It's to give you a moment. If they go in their room and that's where the timeout is, if they throw everything in their room around, let them throw everything in the room around. That's not, it's, it's to stop the behavior you were dealing with then. Don't try to judge the different behaviors because now, now what's happening is you're creating a system where the child who's very smart can start controlling your behavior. You have to, this, so there's a little variation of the timeout. Sometimes we'll get a situation also where timeout happens, child comes back in and they do the same behavior again. If the timeout doesn't seem to be effective, you may need to come up with a different consequence behavior. So as this system works, it will work fine even with teenagers, but the, this particular timeout, timeout may not work. It may need to be something else. So you may need to come up with a different consequence behavior. But for the elementary age group, preschool to elementary age, timeout works really well in almost all cases. Um, sometimes some children with certain developmental disabilities time out and might not be, uh, they may not be able to sit by themselves. So there may be some other uh, thing that you need to use, or it may be, it may be a smaller or shorter timeout, but it may be just as effective. If a child had a particular developmental disability, maybe a one minute timeout would be plenty. And then they'd be able to handle that coming back. In. They just come back in and then you're done. And then everything, everything's fine. Um, understand, um, you know, that there's some, there are some variations of this, but this for the 95% of the population, this is exactly how you follow. Don't get confused by what I just said, though, that everything's going to be different and you've got to customize it for everybody. This is exactly how you'd start out. And what Master Sanborn is saying is exactly right, is no talking, no emotion or less talking, no, in very little emotion when you do any of this and no negotiation. It's not negotiating, and you're not having a long conversation with them. This applies at home, at school, and anywhere else. Anything else to add there, Master Samward? No, sir. Okay, so this is the system you'd use. We promised you what to do. Now, this is for stopping behaviors and management of behaviors, managing for effective and caring discipline. That's what we're doing here. For caring discipline, we're reinforcing target behaviors. That's our ideal situation. So reinforcing target behaviors, 
hopefully once we do this really well, everything stays at a good target behavior. If it gets a little bit off, it gets a little bit off, we're gonna correct and reinforce others if we can, if they're available. If you're, you've got one child, then you might find other methods to reinforce. You could reinforce somebody that you saw on TV that's doing something well. Um, that's another way to do it. But in general, then you're gonna be using correction. And then if something needs it, consistent off-target behaviors, that's the most common, or more severe things, you might count. One, that's two, that's three, without any additional comment, and timeout equal or age. And that's your basic system for, for everything you need, again, for managing and carrying, uh, effective and carrying discipline. For starting behaviors and motivation, that's going to be a different podcast, and we'll talk about that. For motivating, expanding behaviors for success and, and growth. So we're going to do work on that at a different time. And I uh, thank everybody for being here. Master Sanborn, anything else to before we wrap up? No, sir. Okay. Well, thank you very much, everybody. I appreciate you, uh, you listening to our podcast, and we'll look forward to seeing you the next time.